Networking, speaking on stage, giving a presentation, or even appearing as a guest on a podcast can create so much anxiety for so many people. Even people like me who love public speaking still get nervous. But these activities are essential for growing our business. So we just can't avoid them. Well, we can to the detriment of our business. I am thrilled to chat today with Professor Ryan J. Warner about why we get nervous about speaking in front of an audience, even an audience of one, what we can do about it, and how we can become great speakers. Think you hate marketing? Think again. I'm Kelly, and welcome to the Marketing Chat Podcast, where I help you get moving with your marketing with way less stress and way more fun. Ryan J. Warner's professor of communication at McMaster University, executive trainer and coach, professional speaker, as well as author of the innovative book, The Effective Presenter, The Winning Formula for Business Communication. Additionally, he's the host of the Professionally Speaking Podcast and a recurring author for both Thrive Global and HR Magazine. Ryan is dedicated to empowering people and unlocking their full potential. With more than a decade of professional communication experience and expertise, Ryan maximizes performance and success by enhancing confidence, optimizing messaging, and mastering all levels of communication. Welcome, Ryan. I am so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm, uh, I'm very excited to be here as well. Awesome. In your business, you tend to work with high-level executives. And my listeners tend to be entrepreneurs at not at that high of a level necessarily. So I'd love to focus on them. And of course, speaking is a really effective way for entrepreneurs to grow their audience, boost their authority and get more clients. But so many entrepreneurs are really hesitant about moving into speaking, you know, whether that's on stage, doing a webinar or even going on a podcast as a guest. So why is speaking so scary for so many people? That's a great question because I've seen so many different individuals in different junctures, in different circumstances, and they all react very differently. But that being said, there are a few common commonalities. I mean, we are all human after all, and many people forget that speaking is actually a skill. It's, mm. um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, think about it like walking. If you didn't, if you don't do it every day, and then all of a sudden you have to walk, it's, you might stumble, like it, it's going to be a little bit tricky. So I think for many people, they tend to stick to what got them where they are. And in entrepreneurs shoes, typically in, in their space, it's excelling at maybe they're excellent engineer, or maybe they're fantastic in finance, or in business management, something like that. And then all of a sudden, they find themselves in front of investors pitching for for investment. And it's a totally different skill set. So what got you there won't won't get you or what got you here won't get you there, as they say. Mm. That's a great point. And I think that people forget that speaking is a skill. We have to practice it, but it's a learnable skill, isn't it? Absolutely. It, it, that's exactly uh, what I tell people is that when I became a teacher, because I was initially formally educated as a teacher and trained, 
before I became a professor and then a, a coach and a trainer, one of the first, like the foundational, I guess, philosophies is that every person can learn, everyone can learn. And because we can all learn, we just learn at different rates and we just learn in, in different ways. But, but because we can learn, we can develop. And it's, it's unfortunately the mindset of, oh, this is just who I am. You know, I hear that all the time, Ryan, I've never been a great speaker, so mm. I got to lean on my other strengths. And oh, oh yes, you, you can, and you can get some success doing that. But if you incrementally improve your speaking ability, just like even minutely, mm. you will find you'll be realizing many more opportunities and things will start to open up for you that you had previously not even acknowledged because unfortunately, some of the opportunities we miss, we don't see them. Mm, that's true. That's an interesting point. So what are some of these opportunities or some of the ways that speaking can help entrepreneurs? First example that springs to mind, let's say, for an entrepreneur that, that might have missed out on an opportunity, right? Maybe they're at a networking event, maybe they're at a conference, maybe there's an opportunity where they have a chance to have a conversation or to you know make some make some contacts. And they instead find themselves avoiding those opportunities. And, you know, I'm not really sure. I don't really know this person that well. And, oh, I don't want to interrupt their conversation or versus, on the other hand, the, the very gregarious extrovert who says, hi, nice to meet you. My name is Ryan. Where are you from? Oh, oh, that's awesome. I know someone from there. Do you ever do that? And you find some common ground. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you, we never know the, the, what happens behind the scenes, right? There's, there's a fallacy in psychology that what we see is all there is. So we think after the exchange is over, that's the, that's the end, right? But I can't tell you how many, and again, for all you entrepreneurs listening out there and all you founders, I can't tell you how many times I've coached an entrepreneur to deliver a pitch. And then afterwards, they were not immediately successful. Mm-hmm. And I say the word immediately because two weeks, three weeks, a month afterwards, they get contacted by another investor who said, I just spoke to someone who heard your pitch. That's in my wheelhouse. I'd like to to get you over here. Can we have a conversation? Yeah. And that wasn't, you know, seen. That was behind the scenes, as we say. So that happens all the time. And it's people who acknowledge that and they they build their own personal brand and they they get out of their comfort zone a little bit that really reap the rewards. What you just said there when you said extrovert, yeah. And before that, you didn't say introvert, but that's exactly what I was thinking that really terrifies <laughs> introverts to be at networking events, pitch meetings, any of that. It, it terrifies them. And I'm an introvert, an open introvert. So once I get talking, I am great, but it's, it's approaching people that is so tough. Mm-hmm. It, but it, you're it, right. It is, it, it is, it's a lot of missed opportunities when you're unwilling to approach someone. Yeah, it is. And it's one of those, it's one of those skills that if you, the, the more you avoid it, the more daunting it becomes, right? But if you make those, make an effort to start putting yourself out there and communicating with people. And now that things are opening back up post pandemic, we're able to do it a little bit more and more. Mm-hmm. I know it set a lot of people back, unfortunately, and especially I feel feel really concerned for the Gen Z that's coming up. They don't really have those um, interpersonal skills uh, actually applied yet. Some of them are just coming into it now. Uh, so, but, but yeah, at the end of the day, it's, if you're able to do it, if you're willing to, to try and acknowledge that, you know, we're all people 
and the worst that could happen is someone's having a bad day and and they're short with you like that's really that's really the worst that could happen but we build it up in our mind like oh no and then what am i gonna then we stand there looking like an idiot you know this but it's really not that bad in reality Right. It's so rare that something is going to go so horribly wrong that that moment, a, a bad moment, is what we would be remembered for. So rare. But you're right. We build up these worst case scenarios as that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking and doing it well can really boost your reputation, help you stand out as an authority in your field. So how does that happen? It happens in a couple different ways, depending on the person. If you're someone who's already extroverted and who enjoys conversing and and putting themselves out there and speaking, really, it comes down to improving your vocabulary and developing subsequent uh, communication styles to work with. So it's almost like adding tools to your to your tool belt, mm-hmm. right? So this conversation requires a hammer. This conversation requires a wrench. This one requires a screwdriver. So being able to diagnose what will make you most effective and then using that tool. If you're someone who's a little bit more introverted and you're a little bit more on the shy side, uh, the first thing to do is, is being able to, to kind of read the situation and being able to understand uh, what type of audience, or in some cases, just I call them a counterpart, the someone you're communicating with. And when you when you understand them and what they value, what their interests are, what their inclinations are, maybe they're extroverted and you're not, and they'll lead the conversation. And that's fine, as long as you, you understand that, and then you can kind of position yourself optimally so that you get the outcome that you want. Um, I'm all about achieving your desired outcome and oftentimes it takes people a little bit of practice to identify and zero in on what that is. It's, and once they have that, and it takes a little bit of practice, but once they actually know what's the best case for me here and then what's reasonable success, mm-hmm. then from there they can guide that, that will, that really informs their decision, their word choice and their approach. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that it can be tough to, let's see, monitor your approach to getting to your desired outcome. Like some people may move there too quickly. And I'm going to be asking you, well, let's go ahead. I'll (laughs) I'll skip ahead. What are some of the biggest mistakes that people make in speaking and communication in general? Because I'm thinking that that's one of them, like moving too quickly toward the desired outcome. You know, if it's like, if their desired outcome is, is making a sale, if you move too quickly, then you're going to lose it. Chances are. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And to go one step before that, I'm just, I'm thinking to myself, how do I unpack this? I think the best way to start would be the number, the most common mistake and probably the largest mistake that people make is overlooking the process of identifying their desired outcome and Mm -hmm. determining what that is. See, once I talk about it and when I'm doing corporate training, I, I do this very often. I have a visual that has three bars at the top and, and one of them is full and the, the second one is halfway. And then the third one is just like the lowest one's just about a quarter full. And the, they're meant to represent the levels of win. I call it like, what does a win look like for you in this situation, right? So if you're investment, if you're investing 
and you need to raise 10 million, let's say that's your, that would be your goal. Okay. Well, maybe 12 million is like best case scenario. Mm. And then 10 million is, you know, what you're aiming for. And that's the middle bar. That'd be reasonable. And then maybe 7.5 is the bare minimum. You at least got to come away with, with that. Let's say just as an example, an example I like to use in sales. I know this isn't a a sales uh, podcast, but it applies. Imagine, you know, back in the day, I'm old enough to remember when people went door to door and and sold things. So imagine a a door to door salesman comes and they're selling vacuum cleaners and there's, um, you know, a, a woman at the house answers it and she needs a vacuum cleaner. So she purchases it. Maybe she has four of her friends over. They all need vacuum cleaners. Maybe you sell five, right? So that would be like the maximum best case scenario. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, the reasonable success is that maybe she doesn't need one at all. She just bought one yesterday, but she views you as a professional, someone who respects her, someone who she can trust if she does need advice or needs to, something in the future. And that's like the, the minimum that you have mm-hmm. to come away with. That would be the, the minimum bar. So simply identifying those is really, really crucial. And I, I can't tell you how many, even like high level executives, CEOs that I can't mention names, but you, you wouldn't believe some of these folks that they just think, well, no, I just have to go up there and I have to present yeah, or yeah. I just have to pitch. I just have to do that and say, well, what do you want out of this? And they're like, I don't know, just mm-hmm. hopefully it goes well, but what does that mean? Right? Yeah. Like, so if you don't nail that down, if it's not tangible, then it, if it's not quantifiable, then it really becomes just to feel like, so I ask people, well, well, what's good then? If someone comes up to you afterwards and said, that was great, you did a good job. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's really what I go for. Okay, that's not gonna move the needle. That's mm-hmm. just gonna make you feel a little bit better at the end, right? See, most people, they go into a presentation or when they have to speak publicly, they think that you know the goal is to get it over with. Right, without being laughed at. <laughs> yeah, if that, that's <laughs> a plus. Off stage, right? yeah. That's, a, so that's why, and unfortunately, that's why the, the two biggest criticisms in presentations to this day are presentations that are overloaded because people want to make sure that they don't forget anything um, and presentations that are that are rushed because people mm. are running out of time. So they're, they're speaking more quickly. They're most times they're reading off information uh, so that they don't forget anything and so that they speed through it, they finish in time. And that is really, unfortunately, their their goals, and it's reflected in what people see. Mm-hmm. So taking that that that's number one. And then, as you mentioned, you know, not rushing to to the goal to get there is also something that is is very important. And to those folks who, unfortunately, they tend to do it, you know, you have to be a little bit self reflective, I suppose, at first and catch yourself because if you don't know you're doing it, you're not going to be able to fix it. Right. But but once you identify, yeah, I'm one of those people who just jumps the gun and just gets right to it. Like, this is how much investment I need, or, or this is why you should buy my product, why it's so great, instead of building it up. Um, I would I say inv- you need to invest some time in, in sizing up your audience and understanding what makes them tick. Mm-hmm. And maybe they are short for time. And maybe they're just like, how does this help me right now? You have 30 seconds, right? It might, sometimes those cases come up, but more often than not, it's, you know, they want to know, they want to be able to trust the messenger. So they want to be able to trust that you've done your due diligence, that you understand them, you understand their problems, you understand how your product's going to make their life easier, make them more money, less stress, safer, some yeah. some benefit, and then go from there. Yeah. 
And do you already know them or not? Do they already know you? You know, what kind of relationship do you have with them? Are you starting from scratch? Can you just jump in if they already know you well? How novel is the idea that you're presenting them? You know, has it never been done before? Are you creating Mm -hmm. the marketplace? All of those types of things really do have to be considered before you start out to present to them. Yeah, and I mean, so, those are great points you brought up, and and some folks are some folks are lucky, like they they are lucky in the sense that those questions intuitively, like instinctively, they go through those processes already, mm-hmm. and and that's why those folks kind of realize more success early on. Right. But it's it, so it takes a little bit of a cognitive effort for some of us, mm-hmm. a conscious effort to actually do it. But it doesn't mean that we can't. Right. It just, you know, we have to sit down and maybe with a, a pen and paper and, and get out those answers. But once we do and we have it, we know who we're speaking to and what we're, what our goal is, it becomes so much easier to bridge that, to bridge those two sides, right? Who's our audience? What do we need them to do? Let's guide them there, right? Yeah. It be- I'll digress. Absolutely. I apologize. Yeah, no, that's not digressing. I mean, and and that's something that people can do. I I mean, I recommend writing down everything I do. And and that is the type of thing that I like to do. I mean, even for podcast episodes, I think ahead of time, what is the goal of this podcast? You know, I know the topic before I interview someone. You know, I'm I'm not just having you on and going, okay, let's just chat. <laughs> you know, we have a topic. Yeah. And And so I know that ahead of time, I have some questions in mind, you know, and then we talk, you know, I come up with other questions and I I know where essentially where we're going, you know, Mm -hmm. so my podcast has a point. I have a goal for the podcast, the whole podcast as well. You have to know these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and I have them written down. (laughs) <laughs> I don't just keep them in my head. I absolutely have them written down and I revisit it regularly. So we absolutely should. Yeah. It, it, and if someone is just naturally really good at it, then awesome for them. But mm-hmm. I think most people do need to take the time to write it down. And most people are writing down at least an outline, if not a whole script before they, you know, give an official presentation or, I mean, and, and, diehard introverts are jotting down notes before going to conferences and events anyway, you know? Yeah, for sure. Things they're going to say, or even before getting on a a phone call, you know, we're rehearsing it in our heads. So it's not that hard then to write down, like, what's my goal from this phone call, you know? Absolutely. And how am I going to get there? So you're not writing out a script for a phone call. But, but I know you're practicing it in your head because I am too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what are the hallmarks of a good speaker at, that like everyone can learn? So great speakers share a couple common attributes. And the first one is confidence. So there, that, 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 that resonates with all of us. Mm-hmm. And the first way to increase the perception of confidence, let's say, I mean, you, you'll, it will kind of do both at the same time. It'll increase your confidence, but, but ultimately what you want is when you're standing up in front of people, we want people smiling and nodding at us, yeah. right? Then, then all of a sudden we're a little bit more relaxed, mm-hmm. right? Like I tell some, some of my clients, and again, it, it's, it never ceases to amaze me. Some even like world leaders that are extremely successful, they still get nervous too. So it, it's always interesting, but we're all human. It's crazy. 
uh, you would think that that goes away, but it never does. So for, for some folks, you know, I, I tell them envision what you're going up there, what you're going to present to them there, you've already won. Like there, it's like a victory lap, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're already, they're just there to kind of congratulate you. Like you're going up to accept an award or something. Wow. Right? And, and when they envision that it starts to, and not only does it give them a little bit more confidence, a little bit more swagger, but it also, it helps the audience when they see the body language and they see what's being presented to them, that they think, okay, this person, they're much more confident in their words. Therefore, they're more trustworthy. Yeah. I should listen to them. I should believe like all of these signals come through subconsciously, of course, and a little bit oversimplifying the psychology, but, but nevertheless, yeah, that that's what happens. And I think that that's the, the biggest thing that uh, most effective speakers are is they're confident and people enjoy listening to them. So true. And that's not necessarily fair just because someone lacks confidence doesn't mean that what they're sharing isn't great stuff. Mm-hmm. But you're right. We don't enjoy listening to someone who's not confident. And you know what? With with the non-confident folks out there, you don't have to, and just for anyone out there, I don't want to think, oh, I'm never confident, so I'm doomed. No, mm-hmm. no, no. You don't have to do that. And you don't have to pump yourself up beforehand. I mean, if you, if you can, great. But at the end of the day, uh, I've seen a very introverted, very nervous speakers. Actually, I wrote a chapter in my book about them because the world is full of them. People who are just, they're very successful, brilliant people, but they're just nervous and, it, and they're introverts and it, it's very difficult for them to share their ideas in a public forum, especially face-to-face. And it doesn't take away from their brilliance at all or their work ethic or anything, but it does affect the perception. So once they know that, and usually when I'm working with them one-on-one, we'll coach them to a point where uh, some at some point the it becomes forecasted to the audience. So they'll say, I have a lot of great ideas I want to share with you. I'm a little bit nervous, so please bear with me. But mm-hmm. but I'm hope I'm sure you'll find some value in this, and I'm sure we can plug some ways into to get this into your life. And then instantly the audience can relate, and they're a little bit more at ease, and they're and they start seeing a little bit more smiles. And because we've all been there, right? We know what it's like to be up in front of 500 people, true. and it's not it's not fun for for many of us, right? So yeah, yeah, that's very true. So. What are some specific tips you can give people? That's that's a great one, but a few others to become a great speaker or to start moving toward becoming a great speaker. Sure. Yeah, I can fire out a couple. Um, another one is to develop your vocabulary. Mm-hmm. So many people are, well, most people in the world are either their readers or their listeners, um, and they're either speakers or they're writers. Most, very few people are both, or like all of them. So- yeah. How do you process information? If you're a reader, then I would read, if you absorb uh, vocabulary words and, and, and new language through reading, read as many different types of, of, of books and read as many different types of texts as you can, not just uh, you know, like specifically business books, but any type of, you know, you could, could be um, blogs, could be any, any, the more content you can get your hands on, you start to understand the, the different patterns, the text patterns and how it's delivered and how the words are used in the context. And you basically start absorbing more uh, tools at your disposal as far as vocabulary goes, which are going to come in useful, I promise you. Uh, so the research says we have a three times larger receptive vocabulary than productive. So wow. I, yeah, yeah. So if you're using words that I don't, I've never used before, I might know them or I can glean them from the context, but I wouldn't feel comfortable using it myself, right? Yeah. But once I hear it, 
six times. In my case, I'm an auditory learner, but some folks who are visual or who are, are good readers, mm -hmm. if you read it six times, then the seventh time you'll feel more comfortable using it in conversation and you'll feel more comfortable writing it. So that's, that's a tip number one to, to improve your vocabulary. I mean, the average educated North American, let's say Canada and US knows about 25 to 30,000 words in English, mm. but there's actually 135,000 words. So there's a hundred that we don't know, right? Like even myself, a professor, I have like five degrees. I don't know a hundred thousand words that are going to be fired at me at any point, right? Now your vocabulary is is higher than the average, just because <laughs> of your education level. A question though about vocabulary: we do need to adjust our vocabulary depending on our audience. Absolutely. So, like you wouldn't be using the full strength of your vocabulary, like particularly with industry jargon, if you're not speaking to peers or at a different time, like uh, people in your industry. So I'm not saying dumb it down, but you need to speak at the level where your audience gets it easily. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what building your vocabulary does, right? So Okay. Yeah. So the more sometimes you need to speak up, sometimes you need to speak up. Sometimes you need to, I don't want to say speak down. No, I but, know, but yes, but it does. Right. Like I, you know, I work with a construction management company when I'm talking to the managers and the directors, I have to speak differently than if I'm talking right. to the contractors, right? Like my father was in construction for 35 years. So fortunately for me, I was kind of exposed to different areas, everything from health science and pharmaceuticals to cryptocurrency to everything in between. Yeah. So knowing when you have the tools, it's it's right. much less daunting to put yourself in the situation because you know you can navigate it. You have right. the language, right? So that would be my first uh, tip: is to always build your vocabulary. It's it doesn't take much effort, and human the research says that we can learn as many as eight to nine new words a day. I'm not saying you have to. Wow. But, but yeah, if you learn one or two new words a day, like yeah. you're, you're and, and it's like, okay, well that great. At the end of the year, I'll have, you know, three or 400 new words. Yeah. But that that's, that's three huge. or 400 words that someone else doesn't have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they don't have to be like SAT vocabulary words. Sorry, in Canada, I don't know what test y'all No, take, no, it's okay. But, but okay. But you know, SAT vocabulary words, it can be words that are lateral to your field. You know, they can be in a complementary industry. They can be, you know, in, in something, like you said, just so that you can speak to other people, not necessarily, okay, okay so you don't have to learn chemistry or mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, evolutionary yeah. biology terms or whatever, but, but just something else. It, it's good for your brain and yeah, enables you to talk to a wider group of people much more easily. It, yeah, it absolutely does. And then as a subsequent benefit, so you start gaining confidence because you, you have it, you can understand more, you comprehend more. And also it's great when you are meeting new people and speaking with them, maybe they throw a word out there and you're like, it, it, you won't even be like, oh, I know that one. It's not going to be one of those, right. ones. but it'll be like, you're involved in the conversation more and you're following along. And then you're perceived by them mm. as someone who's one of them because you speak like them, right? So you're, you're one. And again, when someone needs, when they need, if you're a vendor or if you're, you know, an entrepreneur looking for a new partner, or there's an opportunity coming up, guess who's in, right? Because right. you've built that, that connection. Yeah. 
Very true. So that one, and, and if I could, sorry, I'll just, I'll try to get this out yes. quickly, but um, the biggest, the biggest thing is the biggest tip to becoming an effective speaker. Uh, well, it's obviously exposure. So try to maybe not, you know, you don't want to enter a, a public speaking contest maybe right away, but if you, the opportunity presents itself, try it, right? Even if it's just for 30 seconds, even if it's just speaking up at a meeting, um, the more you do it, the better you'll become. But psychologically speaking, the most effective mindset to approach it with is actually, it's not that you've already won. It's that you're, you have a message that will help people, mm -hmm. right? Like you're helping your audience and they need to hear this for whatever reason. And when you adopt that mindset, I call it the helpful mindset. When you adopt the helpful mindset, then you're much uh, more confident and you're much more relaxed because you're not focused on them judging you. You're not focused on forgetting something. You're focused on helping them. Yeah. And like I tell everyone, I said, like, you know, if, if there's an elderly man or woman walking down the street and they trip and fall, you're going to help them up right away. You're not even going to, there could be a million people watching. You're going to help that person up, right? That's, right. That's what we do. So when you're in that mindset where you're trying to help them, you're going to be far less nervous about how you appear mm -hmm. and what's happening peripherally. And you're going to be much more in the moment and you'll speak better like that way. Mm. That is a really great tip. Yeah. I don't think we think about it in those terms very much. No, we're a little bit human beings. We're a little bit egocentric. So we're a little bit focused on ourselves and, oh, what could happen if this goes wrong? Or mm -hmm. I just want to get this over with. I'm vulnerable up there. Yeah. Right? Or so I want to look great, you know, <laughs> one extreme to the other, instead of focusing on, I have this information that I want to share that is meant to help someone, you know, whatever form that's going to take, you know, what form of, of help that's going to take. And I think you're right. If we're focused on that, then the pressure is really off of us, uh, of the need to look good. And instead, it's, it's, it's not altruistic, but it's the focus is on the other person. Absolutely. That's really great. So tell us about your book, please. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So my book is called The Effective Presenter. I have a copy here. Great. Um, it's the winning formula for business presentations. And the first question I usually get asked is, is, is it only for presentations? And I say, I say, well, yes, but many people kind of, they, they pigeonhole presentations into thinking they have a stereotype, right? It's, it's one person speaking to many, um, which it often is, but it could also be presenting yourself in an interview. It could be presenting a marketing plan to your supervisor. It can be just an audience of one, right? So it's really any situation when you need to be effective and you need to convey your ideas clearly. And uh, the impetus was I, I've been, you know, many years ago, I actually worked, had a number of friends of mine in the, the Bay Area and San Francisco and California, and they had their own startup companies and they were pitching for investment uh, as, it, as it were at the time. And I'm having flashbacks now as I say this. And I, uh, I I was out there on vacation visiting them, just trying to get some California sun. And I ended up staying there for a little while longer and, and helping them craft their pitches because they they had the you know I'm just going to go up there I'm going to show them this is what we built this is why it's so great you know the, <sighs> as opposed to right this is 
um, how it will help people. This is how we'll monetize from it. This is how we'll grow and scale. This is where we'll target in the market to start. This is so the things that the investors care about, right? How long will it be before I see a return type of thing? Right. This is how long it'll be before you get your money back. And that's <laughs> <Exactly>. um <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and this is how you know you can trust it because the proof of concept is here. It's worked over yeah. here. So those types of things were, were overlooked at the time. And, and again, it's something they were just uh, you know, knee deep in the product and, and yeah. developing the tech, which you have to have that. Yeah. But so I had the the objective perspective, and I, I kind of put myself in the investor's shoes, and and that's the kind of the form it took. So from there, um, I, it, I my business kind of grew from referrals, and, and truth be told, I didn't really call it a business. I just thought of it as me helping some organizations and startups, and then it, they kind of grew as the startups grew, and and the referrals came in, and. And then eventually it got to a point about five, six years ago where I couldn't be everywhere. I, I was, you know, I, I'd love to to travel and I love to help, but with my professorship position and 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 being an author and writing, I, I couldn't help as many, much as I wanted to. So some of my my contacts and my my connections, they asked me, they said, Can you just can you make like a, a resource for us, like a manual? Uh, like what do we do if this, then what? Mm. And so I, I thought to myself, okay, that's interesting. And I had a couple of my research assistants were pushing me to, to write a book for a while too. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll write it. And I, I, what I did was I designed a framework. So it almost looks like a, like a hopscotch, like a block pyramid. Um, for those of you old enough to remember hopscotch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember playing that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, uh, good times. So yeah, it's it's kind of like a, like a pyramid, but it it has the foundational layer, and yeah. then it has the design, the delivery, and then the polishing. So there's there's four layers, and it goes through each step. and And what I really what I like about my book, and the reason I did it was because there was a I've read a lot of different presentation books. Like mm. I'm talking like fifty, maybe mm. sixty, mm. and all of them they repeat the same things know your audience, right? Uh, the, you know, make sure you're using effective body language, make sure it's open, not closed. But many people, I don't want to say it's common sense because right. it's not, but a lot of, like know your audience. Okay. Like you said, like, you know, know how old they are, know where they are, know what they've done before. Know, understand that. Okay. How does that help you? Right? Like say someone's like, cause that's the question I get from, right. from students, from <laughs> professionals, from everyone. Like, okay, I know who my audience is now. What, right? right. Like, what does that matter? that I'm presenting to someone who has no experience in the dental industry versus right. someone who's been in the dental industry selling products for 25 years. So it really delves into that and says awesome. like, this is what you should find out. And then if you find out this, then you should structure your presentation like that. Yeah. And you should use this language, not that language, right? No. So that that's kind of what, what I get into and it's designed to, you know, you can be, you know, read it from front to back, please by all means, but it, it's also designed, it's separated by chapter. So if you just need some quick body language tips or some vocal projection tips, you can just flip to chapter seven and they're all in there. And then at the end of the chapter, I put them in point form to make it, I want to make it very digestible because I'm not a big fan of going into the weeds on complex issues when people have, you know, time is usually of the essence when it comes to presentations. So. Yes, for sure. For sure. And do you want people to buy it on Amazon? Yeah, sorry, I should have mentioned that. I get no. I get carried away. No. Um, so it's available anywhere books are sold. Um, so yeah, Amazon for some reason has the best price. Yeah, um, they and usually if, do. Yeah, I don't, I don't know their algorithm has has the best price by a couple bucks, but uh, but yeah, and if you if you enjoy, if you want to to leave me a review, I'd appreciate it. But uh, 
But yeah, definitely grab yourself a copy. I tell folks it's like getting an MBA, a master's in, in presenting in an afternoon. Nice. Yeah, I loved it. I, I really do think it is unique among books and presentation. I have not, or I'm presenting, I have not read that many because <laughs> I do love public speaking and presenting and uh, have a master's in communication. So, you know, I went to business school for years, so did some learning in person. So I have not read that many, but I thought yours really stands out um, as being unique among others that I've read. So highly recommend it. Y'all be sure to go get it. Oh, thank you very much for saying that. It's very kind. Absolutely. All right. So how can people find you uh, to learn more about you? So I am off the grid. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> you, <laughs> you can, uh, so you can, re I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, and I also, I'm, I'm on Instagram as well, the effective presenter. Uh, but otherwise you can always find me on my websites, professionalpresentationservices.com. And yeah, if you just Google Brian J. Warner, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'll come up, but, uh, yeah, please do get in touch if you're looking for, for uh, coaching or consulting. I mean, my time isn't, isn't always plentiful, but at the same time, I, I love to help. So if there's something I can do for you, even if I can send you some resources or something to help you out, I'd be, I'd be delighted to chat. Great. And mention your podcast. I, I mentioned it earlier, but tell us a little bit about your podcast too, please. Yeah, thanks. So this, it's kind of funny. My, my life just becomes, uh, I just fulfill requests. So, <laughs> <laughs> so a little while ago, I, I was asked again, I think it was just before the pandemic actually hit. I was good asked timing. By, yeah, it was. It, it was good timing. I was asked by uh, you know a few people, because I, I talk with my friends. They always want to know what I'm doing, but most of what I'm doing is confidential because I have to mm -hmm. sign non-disclosure. You know, I'm working with large companies. They don't want to, they don't want it to be known that they're getting, you know, coaching and training in certain areas. Right. So often I can't really say too much, but you know, they, they would love to hear, I, I realize there's an appetite out there for people in different industries mm -hmm. and to hear about how they use communication and they speak and they, um, the approaches that they use in their lives to, uh, to become effective and, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's 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 growing. I think I get about I don't know, not not probably not as many as you, but I get about six or seven thousand listeners. That's awesome. And yeah, yeah, and I so it's everyone from across the board. So I have people who are accountants. I have people in HR. I have uh, business experts. I have lawyers. I have real estate agents. So it's 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 always interesting to hear about the situations they get into, and then how what kind of language and communication they use mm -hmm. to to navigate that. So that's something that's interesting. Fantastic. That is great. So I will put a link to your podcast in the show notes and on this episode's page of my website, a link to the book and a link to your website. So people will be able to find you everywhere. I would be Kelly. You're the best. I tell <laughs> everyone. I tell everyone Kelly's the best. <laughs> Thank you. Well, you are the best for being here today. This has been fabulous. I really appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. 